Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram comment section. Leave them on your Twitter. with another red hot episode. You know, there is a version where when you listen to our podcast, time kind of stands still because we're not like a super pop culture podcast, but that's kind of what I like about our show is that it's your little refuge. Like you can kind of squirrel away into the problems of others and the relatability and you can set your troubles down, especially as we get into the holiday season. You need a break. You need something to listen to on those long drives to go pick up a pie or wood, or haul your leaves, wherever you live. Or do whatever they do in like Australia. You're all from Melbourne. Literally about to say that. I was like, or get your bathing suit out because it's super hot there for Christmas, which is crazy to me. Um, So yeah, we're here to provide some funny perspective, as you all know, because you listen to the pod, and give you the, the deliciousness of other people's pain. That's really what this is about. And really gang up emotionally on people we've never met and take your side. Unless unless you need to hear something else. But we're here. <laughs> with only part of the story. We're here with scathing hot takes with only part of the story. I'm here as an American to deliver my <laughs> red hot, dead serious gospel while only being half informed. You're watching the news. Let's get to it. Hello. I am so excited to finally have a question that both Eliza and Emily will have expert insight into. Here are my stats. Female, 29. I have a master's degree in social work and own my own solo therapy practice as a trauma therapist in rural Kentucky. I specialize in working with LGBTQIA+, first responders and military, and body image slash self-esteem issues. I always use a quote from Eliza when working with clients struggling with impossible or dysfunctional relationships. I tell clients to, quote, give them no oxygen. That is one of the most straightforward boundaries you can hold. Anyway, to my question, I'm finishing the certification to become an animal-assisted therapist, specifically integrating a therapy dog into my work with trauma clients. I do not yet have a dog. My goal is to rescue a dog with good temperament for a therapy dog. My question is, what do you think I should name the therapy dog? My practice is called Sunflower Therapy, and I would love a name of something in nature 
boy or girl names are appreciated. I know the name will have to be right for the right pup, but I would love your insight to add potential names to the list. All my love. I'm so grateful for the comedy and light you both bring into the world. Laughter and humor are lifeline and means of healing for so many. Thank you for what you do. Jen. Well, at first take, obviously the best name is Martin Bashir. And <laughs> it's because what I that's what I call Tian Fu, defamed British journalist Martin Bashir. My mother recently adopted a puppy and she's trying to think of names and she wants a Spanish name. And I she was like, I need it to be something Spanish. Please stop suggesting Martin Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, my first take is you should call the dog Sunny. It's not the cutest name, but your, you know, it, it's evocative of your therapy practice name and you want people to have a sunny disposition. People go to therapy to get happier. Aside from that, I, I can't give you a dog name in a vacuum. I don't know what the dog looks like, but biscuits always good. Think about words that people want to say. Morton. Nature words. Okay. Well, you could do pedal. No, that's awful. That's I awful. didn't take that okay. cue. What about mushroom? Mushroom. <gasps> that's actually cute. <laughs> there you go. Next question. <laughs> it's impossible without knowing the dog. You know what you could do? I know it's all supposed to be about anonymity and therapy isn't about community, but you could have your clients either pick from a list of <gasps> names or write what they want, like on a suggestion board. Yeah, and then let that them vote. Cute. Put it like yeah, up in like the, the office Aww. where they can put a sticker next to the name they vote for. They named it Zoloff. Aww. Well, you always see in polls if anybody lets the internet vote, like Reddit or 4chan or whoever gets together and they name like a boat, like Bodie McBoatface or like Hitler was right or like, you know, they vote for Pitbull to come perform in Alaska, Walmart, where no one lives, like, because they think it'll be funny. So do a poll that actually matters. Do it about your dog's name. Say, give them an option. Don't be like, write in whatever you want. And then you get like some weird clients to write in something sexual. So- Give them some choices, but my vote, have sight unseen, definitely name the dog Mushroom. I agree, honestly. Okay. okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy. And this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around. And I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from 
every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Hi, Ask Lies Anything crew. I, 32 female, have a doozy for you, so strap in. My husband, 32 male, has a group of friends that he has had since high school. I'm the most recent significant other addition to the group about three years ago. We see each other once every other month or so, except for holidays. October through December. Where we see each other. Which is every month. Where we see each other daily. (laughs) They They see each other every month, October, November, December. Very regimented schedule. There is one friend, Mariah, and her wife, Casey, that are the problem. They're the type of couple that cares more about how their relationship and life look as opposed to how it actually is. This wouldn't be an issue except about two years ago, Casey was caught by Mariah in an actual orgy of coworkers in their room after coming home from work while their then one-year-old daughter was still home. <laughs> The friend group was dragged into this mess to provide couches to sleep on and shoulders to cry on, only to have a total 180 less than a week later where neither Mariah nor Casey would acknowledge that anything happened, leaving everything unresolved. Then, almost exactly a year later, Casey was caught via Apple Watch in yet another tryst with another coworker while at work. Now when the whole group hangs out, it's even more awkward as Mariah makes rude and demeaning comments about Casey at two and two Casey in front of the group. Mariah won't listen to anyone when confronted about her marriage or general happiness. To add further insult to injury, after the first cheating scandal before the piecemeal reconciliation, Mariah had told the group she was planning on starting IVF. On her own, their daughter was carried by Casey because she was told pregnancy would fix her uterine issues and she was done suffering. That was the moment I lost all respect for her. Children are not a means to fixing your issues, whatever they may be. Furthermore, they have no respect for time, are constantly late, pushing back meeting times, last minute, create multiple issues when planning get-togethers. I'm not the only one with frustrations. The entire group is losing 
patience and talks mad shit about these two when they aren't around. One is entirely cut ties and hardly comes around when Mariah and Casey are going to be there. My question. My husband knows there's a ticking clock on How? the moment. How do you have a question? <laughs> but what's the best way to manage that within the whole group? We don't have kids yet, but if when we do, I don't want them involved in our kids' lives, something my husband supports. Mm-hmm. Is it best to cut ties slowly before or after kids, or do I suck it up since it's only a handful of times a year? Dying to know what you think. Love all you do. Seen you three times in Vegas. You can keep my name in. I changed the names of the accused just in case. P.S. I attached a friend group photo from my recent wedding. Okay, let's see. And this person is Rachel. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Let me see. Let me see. Well, you know what? Congratulations to you for having like a diverse friend group. (laughs) Good for you. Um, You know, this is a good crew. Cute wedding picture. Yeah. Listen, uh, I just don't, you, you, what do they say? They're 32. Yeah, well, I think they're 31. 32? No, 32. So it sounds like this This friends group is similar. Okay, listen. You're not having fun hanging out with them. It's uncomfortable because they do not have their relationship in check. And you're doing the thing that girls do on this podcast all the time, which is you're projecting an issue that's going to be in the future. You're like, we don't have kids, but when we do, it's not about when you have kids. It's about you now. You don't want to spend your time with these two women who are a mess. It's not like they've been married for 30 years and they always bicker and you're like, but we were lifelong friends. This isn't fun. And it'd be one thing if they cheated on each other, but they were fine, but they're making each other miserable and it's hard the uterine thing, I don't really get all the facts on that. And that's not up for us to be like, I respect you. I don't, whatever. What you don't respect is their lack of respect for their relationship and for themselves and for each other. And that is like foundationally flawed. So therefore it's hard to be friends with someone that doesn't respect themselves or their partner. It's uncomfortable. And you can't unlearn all of that. So be done. You're under no obligation. I also, I don't know where these friends all live. You're under no obligation to include them next time. And it doesn't have to be on you at all. You can also opt out. Your husband needs to go to the bar with these people. Be like, great, I'll come and I'll say hi. But you want to be with your husband and you like their friends. It's weird to me that no one is able to just kind of phase them out. And if they say anything, be like, yeah, guys, hey, we love you. It's really uncomfortable. We don't want to take sides. You guys need to figure out your relationship. This is a messy, weird thing. I don't even want to say it's like a lesbian thing. I think people have messy relationships all the time. We had that girl right in the other week who is in like a disgusting relationship with a guy who laughed at her while she was taking a pregnancy test. Then she miscarried. Now she's still with him and he punched himself in the eye. No, but this is young, gross drama and you don't have time for this. Do you? Like, I know there's that delicious schadenfreude of like talking shit on people and like, oh, we can talk shit about like our wacky, dysfunctional friends. But like, if you're still having a great time when you all hang out, then that's different, but it doesn't sound like you are. Cut it out. Who cares? What's going to happen is they're eventually going to get a really disgusting, messy divorce 
Whoever was the one that went to school with you guys will stick around, bring in some other girl. The scorned one will be like, why aren't you hanging out with me? You don't need it. These people are not that special. They're annoying and they're fucking messy. That's it. And it doesn't have to be on you. But I would also have less respect for your friends. And I'd be like, you guys always talk shit about them. So at least be about it and like, let them know how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're dragging their mess in and it's like seeping into everything else. Like, is this really what you have time for? Some like weird half wanted relationship where all they do is like get off on hurting each other. Right. When they're sitting there sniping at each other, like, are you all just sitting there silently? Could you say like, hey guys, please keep your fighting at home. This is not a fun hang. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? We don't really do it. And it's like, you don't have to, and it's not fun. You don't have to be the representative for the group, but you also don't have to be part of it. Oh, you guys are all going to Chili's tonight? Pass. (laughs) It's just not how you want to spend your time. But I don't think you'll do that because you do want to like hang out with your husband. Maybe you can both opt out. It's not like you have to get together as a group, but you can just fade them out. And if they ask, be like, yeah, it's really sloppy and energetically gross hanging out with you guys. It's a bad hang. Nobody wants to hear about your relationship bullshit. Yeah, it's not fun. Get a divorce and move on like regular people. Right. You're like the kids that are just like, you know what? I wish you guys would get divorced. Let's get this over with. What's what's the big deal if you say this? Like, what are they going to do? Be like, fine, we don't want to be your friends. You're like, okay, great. Right. Either they nip it in the bud. They reconcile, which is hard to still be friends with them because you saw how gross it was. They get a divorce. You hang out with one of them. But being heard will only get you to a good place. And that good place is you not having to hang out with that bad vibe. Okay. Okay. Dear Eliza, Emily, and all associated creatures, great and small, longtime fan of all of Eliza's work, which has gotten me through many difficult days. Here's a question. My sister-in-law treats our kids like toys she's entitled to have a turn playing with. My husband, his sister, and I are all in our early 40s. In the 25 years I have been with my husband, I followed the same advice I've heard you wisely offer, and I don't interject when issues between my spouse and his side of the family arise. However, I'm at a point where I feel a line has been crossed and I have to put my foot down. We put off starting a family until our late 30s because I have a debilitating illness that has severely affected our lives. Fortunately, in the last four years, things have stabilized enough for us to have a sweet boy in 2020 and an adorable girl in 2022. It's the one thing my uncooperative body has done without complications. My husband doesn't have a very close relationship with his family. Since we met in our teens, I have seen his mother and sister largely ignore his life milestones and treat him like a burden. Much of the sibling dynamic I've witnessed has revolved around my sister-in-law being the aggressor and lashing out at my husband at any opportunity. She has tried meddling in our relationship, lying about his behavior to me and others, and generally acting like he is a problem in her life. My husband has never asked nor received any form of help or support from her and has never done anything that would warrant this type of abusive behavior. Since his sister has been mom's perfect princess well into adulthood, she has carried this entitled attitude into all aspects of her life. I've supported my husband from the sidelines, but I'm tired of walking on eggshells. When our son was born at the start of the pandemic, my husband, sister, and mother were the only people who took issue with the boundaries we set. Limited visits, no holding or kissing our newborn since both worked high exposure risk jobs, sister-in-law in an emergency room, a mother-in-law at a large grocery store. Both refused to be vaccinated and would call my husband in hysterics, 
crying about not being able to touch the baby. My mother-in-law even said, what if I die without being able to hold my grandson again in an attempt to emotionally manipulate us? Somehow neither what of them- What if you kill your grandson right. because you wanted to hold it before you died? Somehow neither of them took any real interest in our lives before we had kids, yet suddenly want to be first in line for everything. Even after we were able to return to a somewhat normal life, my sister-in-law found reasons to lash out and accused me in particular of ostracizing her. She called my husband and threw a tantrum. She demanded to know why I said we may be interested in letting another family member babysit our kids, but won't let her be alone with our kids. She called my husband derogatory names, a terrible father, and threatened to get her husband involved. She's used her husband as a physical threat many times, which we have ignored until this episode. Her husband then sent us both belligerent messages, adding to an already tense conversation. Jesus. This was the only time I got personally involved in a conflict with my in-laws. Both my husband and I are no longer willing to appease his sister's demands since we now have children to protect. My sister-in-law is unable to have biological children. And this is That's the where this one all stems life from. milestone yep. her brother was able to experience that she hasn't. Yeah. Yep. This is also the first time I was going to ask. Right. I was going to say, does she have kids? It does not. I mean, it'd be weird if she did and she was this obsessed with yours. Go on. This is the first time in her life the attention of the family is on her brother, not her. My mm. husband was always on the sidelines and she is not taking this reversal of roles well. <laughs> Both she and her mother want to play loving aunt and grandma after years of ignoring their brother and son, giving our children gifts is an exercise in self-gratification for them. Last year, they brought over a heap of gifts. We asked them to limit because we're running out of space. They made the kids open all the gifts in front of them, play, and then proceeded to pack them up. They reasoned that since we have no room, they were just going to take the gifts back after the kids open them. Apparently, the real gift was All right, themselves. that's actually... That's actually brilliant. No, the kid doesn't care anymore. The kid's going to lose it. The kid wants to play with a box and hold a spoon. They don't care. I mean, yeah. The cherry on top of it all is the fact that my husband's extended family had suddenly cut off all contact with us and iced him out. This is painful for my husband, who is a loving, kind, peaceful man. I don't want to further damage his relationship with his family, but I'm afraid our children will be affected by the in-laws' behavior. Talked about this at length. My husband is determined to keep boundaries we've set, but I can hardly stand to be in the same room as my in-laws. I don't want my husband to lose all family ties, but I don't want my children to be exposed to their dysfunction. I would really appreciate an outside perspective. Your advice is always sound and insightful. Oh, I wish you all the best. I'm so excited for you to welcome a baby boy. He and Sierra are so, so lucky to have you to love and guide them in this world. Being a mom of two tiny humans is really awesome and things really are so much easier the second time around. Thanks for bringing your sunshine to this much too cloudy world. You're welcome. You don't want to cut them out and that's key. And you're not at a place where you have to because what they're doing to the children is not dangerous. The kids are just getting to play with a toy and that's fine. You know what? It's great that they're taking them away. Because you said- No, that's psycho. I think it's great they're taking the toys away. No, that is crazy. To give a kid a toy no. and then take it away? No. What? You going to no, do that to you, Sierra? Are you going to give her a toy and then go, yoink, just kidding? No, the kids were done. And then they're like, great, we're going to return these. The kid doesn't- <laughs> No, I don't think it was- I actually think there's something interesting to that because if you argue, I mean, it's weird. It's a weird move. If you argue that, they'll say, what? You were complaining that you didn't have enough room. So in a weird way, they got you there. Although that is a strange workaround. 
this is going to just require an extra headache on your part. And by extra headache, I mean, it's almost as if you have two other children now. It is up to you to monitor when they are with your kids. They're not going to hurt your kids. They want these children. They want to be involved with them. And the kids are so little that it's not like they're picking up on anything. They're not, you know, it doesn't sound like these women mean any harm. They just seem annoying. But I don't think they're harmful people to the kids. So this is going to have to be you sitting there and carving out boundaries in real time when those women are with your kids. Hey, we want to take them to do this. No, we can't. That's not what we're doing today. Like it's going to just require just as if like a child came over and like wanted to hold your baby. You would not leave that child alone in the room. You would sit there and be like, okay, put your hand under the neck. Make sure you do this. It's just going to require a little bit more work on your part. And just make sure your husband's on that side. So when you say, no, we're not doing with that with them today, your husband's like, yeah, we decided they've got to go take their nap. You're coming over at this time. You're going to have to just control it. And if they don't like it, they don't have to come over. But this is just about you setting all those boundaries and consistently reinforcing them. Can you buy your sister, your sister-in-law a reborn doll so that she can focus on that and leave you alone? Remember those? Here you go, you weirdo. Um, and it's like from the highest light, you almost want to like bond with this woman and be like, you know, we want you involved in their lives. We just have like a way that we have to do things. I don't even think you need to do that though. I think you just have to work on always putting your foot down and you don't have to be rude. Whatever your husband's name is. Oh, nope. John and I decided Wednesday is the day that we're going to do this. If you guys want to come by at six o'clock, that'd be great. Constantly reinforcing. This is my house. These are my kids. This is my show. No wiggle room. And if they want to like get creative and do weird things like take the gift, great. Look for that silver lining. They didn't rip it out of the kid's hands. They returned it. And you said you'd never room anyway. They're going to be weird, but emotionally, I mean, this woman sounds like she's in her own personal hell. Um, but you can, you know, I always say don't get involved, but if she says something abusive to your husband, you can absolutely, first of all, who's her fucking Neanderthal husband that's like threatening <laughs> violence over you. nothing? You can put your foot down and be like, you can't speak to him that way in this house. You can't, you got to go. You guys, we can try this again another time, but this is too aggressive. This is a bad energy for the kids. You have to always stay calm and treat this woman like a child. That's my advice. Make the husbands do a fight club. Make them fight each other to see who wins. And the, whoever wins well, I didn't gets both babies. I didn't suggest that because I assumed they'd already done it. You know, it's also, you don't have to explain anything. That's the other thing. And I've found, especially in the business that I'm in, if I have to like cancel a show... I don't say, hey, I can't make it because of this and also this. I just say, I can't make it. Very rarely do people ask for context like we do on this podcast. She wants to do something. No, we're not doing that today. Why not? Because we're like, and then you could give one word answers, but you run your ship. They can't come over today. Tuesday doesn't work. We're not eating that. We don't do sugar. We don't do this. Why would you explain yourself to someone who has no business asking for an explanation? I'm kind of it hoping she weak. gets bored the sister-in-law that she's like gets sick of it the novelty of someone else's kid hopefully she moves on to a new obsession this is just parenting is 24 hours a day just constantly monitoring the energy that comes into your kids lives and trying to mitigate that bad energy as much as possible that's it that's what i would do i would allow them to do the sweet stuff because it doesn't seem like they mean your kids harm 
And it's not about getting involved, but it is about protecting the energy of your home and your husband's emotions. Yeah. That's it. You can't talk to him that way. It's not nice. You guys, if you're going to fight like this, you got to go. It's not nice. Not good for the kids. Always make it about the kids. Mm-hmm. If the kids aren't here. You're like, well, it's not good for them in general. <laughs> it won't be good for them when they see a dead body here because I killed both of you. <laughs> now get out of my house. Take it. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while introducing Newly. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, and they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state of the art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, "Mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. and Emily love the podcast. I tune in every week and sometimes my boyfriend listens with me too. My boyfriend, Whoa. <laughs> my boyfriend and I have been together for over 10 years, high school sweethearts, and are both the eldest in our family. My question today is for him or more specifically his youngest sister. Let's call her Katie. Last year at 15, Katie's boyfriend moved into their mom's house because his family was moving out of province. My boyfriend said to his mom that it was probably a bad move, but mom shrugged it off and said, they're basically married and remind me so much of you two when you were younger. We don't live in the same city, not really our business, so we just dropped it. Even though we knew as a single mom, she couldn't afford to take care of another kid. Thankfully, Katie's boyfriend quickly got a job to help with his own expenses. Katie's dad doesn't live with them, but was supportive and even offered to give the boyfriend his old car when he got his license. 
Fast forward to this year. She turned 16 and Katie and her boyfriend started getting multiple tattoos from a tattoo apprentice. They're big, gothic, demonic pieces, and we worry they'll regret them later. Within three months, she has gotten at least four tattoos from this apprentice. She broke up with her boyfriend, who is now moving back with his family, and is now dating the tattoo apprentice, who is 21. Katie's dad was livid and ended up calling the cops on the tattoo artist. Honestly, I don't blame him. Katie cut dad off when he did this and started spending most nights with the tattoo artist at his mother's house. My boyfriend expressed his concerns to his mom again, and she again exclaimed how Katie and her new boyfriend are like a married couple, which just makes us worry more. For context, his mom has never been in a long-term relationship. Katie isn't even 16 and a half yet, and we worry she might be putting herself in a situation she'll regret, especially with all these tattoos from an older boyfriend. I've looked at his art online, and it's questionable. Demons, bondage, gore. Do you think we should try talking to Katie and potentially end up cut off like her father? What can we say that won't add more fuel to the fire? Should we drop it and see how this relationship goes? What advice would you give a 16-year-old who started dating her tattoo artist? Thanks in advance, signed a cool, but not that cool, older sibling. My biggest red flag is that this 21-year-old tattoo artist lives with his mom. You can't say anything to her because if there's one thing that 16-year-old girls know, it's everything. And you should say something to her. You take her out for coffee. You let her say her dumb, trashy reasons for how she's in love with him and how her brain isn't fully formed. You can't. Teenagers are emotional. Romeo and Juliet is about two horny Italians at like 15 that died because they were so in love that she killed herself. Teenagers do dumb things. That's why pop music is written for them. Just going to have to write it out. And it hurts and it's uncomfortable, especially if you're not a person that gets tattoos, especially to see a young girl's mind being so warped by it like that. I don't have a problem with like demons and art like that, but for a guy to be doing that, like it's always sexually suggestive and it's a lot darker than she probably naturally is. All you can do is tell her your concerns gently because you push it too hard, she'll go nuts and be like, we're just looking out for you. Maybe could you maybe promise us to just pump the brakes on, just wait a little bit for the next tattoo. She's not going to hear any of it. But what you can do is plant those seeds, tell her how you're feeling. She'll go home to her cult leader boyfriend and he'll be like, no way, babe, love you forever until you're 17, then you're gross. If she cuts you, it's either you say something and she listens and you're that voice in her head, or she cuts you off. But either way, you will have tried and you will have been heard. Oh, this poor girl. And the mom is trash. Like, that's hard. So do you think our question asker can basically come in one time as the cool older sister? Is there a kind way she can kind of approach it to put the the message out there that she is there for this girl when this girl doesn't want to talk to her mom or her brother? Yeah, I mean, that girl's going to be like, you'll take my side, right? Like, teenagers don't understand. Anything other than like their side, you can, and you're the, you're the, it's the brother that she's related to and you're his yeah. wife, right? Girlfriend. Sometimes that does help. Maybe take her out, be like, hey, what are you thinking? How's it going? And let her kind of talk and maybe kind of try to slowly poke holes in it. Like, is that something that you want to do? Do you enjoy those things? Does he do things that make you happy? And she'll be like, no, totally. Like, we're so in love. We're so mature. 
you might not get through to her. She might end up with a bunch of hideous fucking tattoos and she will be writing into this podcast in six years saying, I was sexually abused by my 21-year-old boyfriend. I got a bunch of weird demon hentai artwork on my back. Now I'm saving up to get it removed. She may just have to go through this and it's sad that the mom is just so powerless. All you can do is say like, I'm here if you ever want to talk, if you ever don't feel safe, if you ever need something. At some point, she will hit you up for money. Do not give it to her. <laughs> no, but I think you're right that if you just have some one-on-one hangouts with her that aren't about the boyfriend, have lunch with her, go mm-hmm. to the movies with her. And in a few hangouts, you can ask how things are going. But it is, there are certain parents that it's, they think, and this mom especially, that like you being with someone is the most important accomplishment. So this mom is clearly drilling it into her head. Like, oh, look, look at your brother. Like he's been with this culture. You need to be, and this girl is 16 feeling like she needs to settle down, which I'm sure like, well, at least tattoo shop guy, like has a job and has the, like, she'll probably get into tattoos. She'll be like, I love this too. Maybe show her that you have a job. Maybe show her like, yeah, I don't go everywhere with your brother. Cause like I have my own life. I have my own likes. He hates this. I love it. I've got my own friends, like kind of subliminally, it's a good idea, Emily. Just kind of show her like those, like I backpack through Europe, just fucking lie to her. I traveled, I went to school, like all these things. She's never going to check it. She's never going to check your passport to see if there's like a Dutch stamp in it. Just kind of showing her, like, look at all the things independent of a boyfriend. Yeah. Just kind of keep hammering that home. Yeah. Don't do, yeah. Don't, don't talk with the brother because it's girl to girl. Yeah. And don't immediately, don't the first time you hang out be like, so your 21-year-old boyfriend, what's up there? Like, you got to be cool. Yeah. It will reveal itself. She'll be like, yeah, he does these weird things. And you'll be like, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long process, you know, but that, that relationship won't last. Or it does. And they're they're married and it's fine. But mm-hmm. it's also super illegal. Very illegal. Dearest Eliza and Emily, greetings from Burlington, Vermont. Thanks for an amazing show. I dressed up as your hot forever special and meeting you for the second time rocked my world. The show was a blast. And I also loved the special crunchy Vermonti jokes you put in. I loved your outfit. I remember you made the little hand part of the top (laughs) yourself. It was very cute. A lighthearted question for Eliza. You have the most beautiful gold jewelry. I'm vacillated between buying a real gold chain that would be an investment or should I just get something gold-plated or gold-filled? I know the latter options do fade in lustrousness over time. I figured you would have a good opinion on this because you wear so much gold. Is it all real or do you get (laughs) gold-filled? Bonus question. Do you have any online or in-person boutiques that you like for jewelry? So much love, Julia from Vermont. Oh, thank you. I never thought of myself as someone who wears so much gold, (laughs) but I guess that is my... Color of choice. Um, It is all real. But I will tell you, it is not, these are not things that I set out to purchase and I did not do it all together. Mm. I think jewelry, not unlike tattoos, should you choose to do that, are things that you sort of accumulate over a lifetime. And I've gone through different phases of things that I wear a ton over years, things that I don't. Um, So I could just tell you, jewelry should be a meaningful thing. I abhor costume jewelry. I don't like cheap jewelry. I know it's what some people can afford, but I am a proponent of buy something solid, wear it all day, every day, forever. I don't tend to wear a lot of different jewelry, even to events, like unless you really need something different because that's just how I am. Um, What are you wearing right now? So the, okay, I will say 
the earrings I have, they're gold and they're diamonds, but it's like a cohesive thing. Like I wanted to keep it small. I like small jewelry. Mm-hmm. So the little gold hoops that I have, because I love the look of a little huggy, I bought them for myself in Austin. Mm-hmm. I think I bought them on my book tour. I tend to I tend to buy nice things to mark occasions. Just like the one designer bag that I bought myself was when I got my own late night show for one fucking season. But mm-hmm. I still bought that. To mark it, you, you should celebrate yourself when you can. And the little ones are just an accumulation of visiting this one piercer several times. But I keep these in. So it's worth the gold and the diamonds. These are like micro diamonds because I never take them out. So you may as well look rich. Uh, The diamond rings on my middle finger, one is platinum, one is white gold. Maybe one is gold or rose gold. Uh, Or maybe it's not platinum, but they're from (laughs) Tiffany's. And I probably in my late 20s, early 30s would buy myself one every time I got something really big. Mm -hmm. You know, I everything I have is because I worked for it. So it was whether it was getting a second season of Excused or I don't even remember actually all the things that I bought them for. So I would buy them and I would stack them. That way I could keep accumulating them, but they're so small that it's okay to stack them. And they've lost some of their diamonds and I still wear them. And then the gold ring on my pinky, my mother actually got me because she also wears a pinky ring, uh, which is kind of pimp, kind of cool. And it just says in very fine script, Sierra May and her birthday, I'm not a huge fan of the ubiquity of getting your kid's name on everything, their birthstone, their birthday. I think it tugs at the hearts of moms when they first have kids. They're like, I got to buy all this Etsy jewelry. But if that's what floats your boat, great. This, you can't even read it. And I just wear these things to bed. I wear them in the shower. It seems to be a thing in my family. We don't really take off our jewelry. We just wear it. So those are the things. Oh, the chain. The chain I bought at a pawn shop in Detroit. And it was just a nice chain. And it was a, and I was just like, this is cool. It's the thing to do in Detroit. And I did it while on tour. And it was, and so these things all have like little touchstones of meaning for me versus, you know, buying a ton at like Gorgiana or Georgiana or whatever that jewelry store is. You know, it it all depends on your objective. Um, But I wear jewelry for me, not necessarily for show. That's why everything is so small. And it took a while to get to this place. You know, I had George the jeweler out of Detroit who would make me specialty pieces that I would wear and then you kind of grow out of them. So if you're going to invest in jewelry, invest in something that's timeless. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you need work jewelry, go get it. Yeah, it's, yeah, I guess that's interesting. I hadn't thought about your your jewelry, but you you gravitate towards more delicate pieces, even though that's not, I think if somebody were just to guess what kind of jewelry you liked based on your job and personality, that's not what they would guess. But it's all things that you can use and combine in different things. So I've gone through phases of my life where I layer beads and necklaces. You know, when you're younger, it takes sometimes, you know, it takes getting a little bit older to kind of want these things that you don't have to change out as much. But I'm a big fan of like quiet. I know the term on the internet is quiet luxury, but I really am. I think the world is filled with people screaming about their Gucci bags and I cringe at it. So I like to buy expensive things that you would not know that are expensive that I have forever. Right. So you would say this person who's asking, you know, should I buy real? Should I buy buy something real that is timeless, not something gaudy? That's meaningful to you. But if you yeah. are a gaudy, if like, if that's what you like, it's so personal. But I think with real jewelry, like you see it and you're like, I want that. Mm-hmm. I want to wear that forever. If you have an office job and you need a bunch of like 
J. Cruel jewelry, then that's what you need. I mean, some of my favorite jewelry has cat ashes in it. <laughs> right. All of it, actually. And so <laughs> it's all about your style. Um, that's it. Yeah. There's no right. There's no wrong. Yeah. I just, we get so many like wedding and friend questions. I was like, oh, a question about gold. Okay. Also, you should know. Yeah. You make things look expensive. Mm. You can wear inexpensive things and do them in a, I hate the word classy. I was actually just talking to Noah about how any word to describe someone with class is trashy, like top shelf, highfalutin, classy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, high end. You and the way you carry it are what make it look expensive, not yeah. the actual jewelry. Because there are plenty of people, as Luann Delisup says, money can't buy you class. There are plenty of people with a lot of money. Me, the and they were in the like, Yeah. Like a giant emerald gaudy costume piece. And it was $800,000. And you're like, but you look like garbage. Well, the so rest whatever of that- you, Whatever you wear, wear it well. No, Emily, we're not talking about the real I just want to say Let's the rest on. of that song is elegance is learned, my friend. Elegance is learned. Elegance is learned, it my is. friend. You, there, you... It's the way you carry yourself. You do not have to have money to have class. I firmly believe that. It sounds like this is someone who's been thinking about it, that this piece would have meaning to them. And so it's going to look exquisite on them, regardless of what they go with, whether it's real or not. They've thought about it. You have to love looking at it. Like I love looking at my ear and I'm always like, I want to go buy something else. But I'm like, but I don't want to take these out. That's how you know you love it. When you're like, I'm not done wearing it. Yeah. As much as it smells. Kick it. Hi, I am a 26 female young professional in the science field, not a nurse, (laughs) haha. My question revolves around knowing when to stick it out at a workplace and when to find something new. I've been in my current role for about four years now, and there have been a lot of upsides, development opportunities, promotions, leadership roles. I've grown quickly and faster than I probably could have somewhere else. Because of this and the high caliber of team and coworker that I now work on and have, Thinking of leaving is tough for me. I'm on a production-based workforce that doesn't get much recognition. We work a lot of extra hours, are understaffed, work holidays and weekends, and are constantly getting asked to take on more and perform better. All of these things are adding up and becoming detrimental to my mental and physical health. I make more money than I ever thought I would in my field. My question, do I stick it out because I think I will struggle to find a team dynamic and growth opportunities as good as this one? Or should I move on and have to start over somewhere else? Thanks for the laughs and good advice. See. I don't know. What do you want? See. This? I mean, the team development, like you'll find another team. If you're easy to work with and you're good to work with, you'll build that around you. If if you're telling me it's affecting your mental and physical health, it sounds like this isn't the job that you had envisioned and it's not the job that you want. The important piece of this that I'm wondering is, okay, so they're in a production-based workforce, right? Which sounds like something that naturally has um, unforgiving hours and mental load. Like let's say the production-based workforce is, I don't know. I don't know. I can't even come up with an example. but. Is another job going to just be the same load? Like if you were promoted at another job, if you were at the same level, is it going to be as stressful? It sounds like this might be a stressful field, in which case, do you want to switch fields? Do you want to go to a place where you have a lower job, uh, like demotion from your current title so you don't have as much responsibility? I mean, because you're not going to find the same job 
with great coworkers and everything and just less work. Like that's not going to happen. No, but you might find it with more manageable work or a boss that listens to you. I mean, have you tried saying at your job, this is not doable and here's what I need to make it doable. It sounds like you've just been kind of taking this on and evolving with this role and you've gotten to a place where like they just throw stuff at you and you're like, I guess I'll just do it. No job is worth your physical and mental health. And it's great that you're making money and you made your money. Now I think it's time to sit down and really think about what it is you want out of the next five years and how you're going to get there. It just doesn't seem worth it to be that miserable. You're writing into a podcast about it. It's hurting your body and your mind. I guarantee you the second you leave that job, you're going to be like, oh, I'll never think about it again. Yeah. But you still, you got to get with yourself and figure out what it is that you really want. Is it money? Because then it, then that's what you got to do, I guess. Do you want to build something? You'd be surprised at what you can carve out for yourself when you're clear about what you want and when you ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. You have like to make some food. tough choices. She always asks for grapes. She'll never get them. <gasps> no. But she tries. She, she always can't. asks for everything else. She gets grapes. She gets chicky. Sorry, not grapes. Are you having carrots? Are you having to teach Sierra like, no, this isn't for dogs? Yes. Is that she a- knows never give the dog a grape, but I don't think the dog would eat a grape. But we do let the dog lick her hands. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anyone says about that. Okay. Okay. And it turns out when people spill milk, turns out dogs are really good at cleaning up milk. They get it out of carpet. They get it out of baby hands. They get it off sheets. Yeah. Cow milk, not breast milk. That's weird. Okay. That's where you I'm draw the not, line. But I'm not breastfeeding her. <laughs> and you're not breastfeeding Tianfu? I am breastfeeding Tianfu. <laughs> okay, She's good. a sweet baby. She's only getting younger. <laughs> With every drop, she becomes more human. Do you think there's someone like really wealthy yes. out there that is feeding their dog breast milk, human breast milk? I oh. feel like there is. Do you remember that Tori Amos album cover where she's breastfeeding a pig? I just wonder if people do that. Remember like Grapes of Wrath where that woman breastfeeds the guy at the end because of the dust bowl? Oh, yeah. Someone's out there. Someone's out there doing it. Someone's out there doing something. And their dog has a lustrous coat. <laughs> Actually, I feel like human breast milk has the least amount of vitamins. <laughs> yeah, I'm better off with a cow. Want to get that cow colostrum. Kick <laughs> it. Dear Eliza and the crew, first and foremost, congratulations on the upcoming addition of your family and a special shout out to Sierra May who's destined to be the ultimate big sister. As for us, we are two female friends from Finland, both in our 40s, proudly wielding master's degrees, longtime listeners, first-time askers. We recently found ourselves in a bit of a pickle and pondered, what would Eliza do? Here's the lowdown. How can we gracefully decline invitations from our work colleague, whether they're for holidays, dinners, or other gatherings? We genuinely enjoy their company during work hours and the occasional post-work hangout, but our true blue pals reside outside the office, and we want to make the most of our precious free time with them. We fear that a plain no might bruise some feelings, and the whole, we'll see if we can make it work, dance isn't quite cutting it. Just to clarify, we work at separate organizations, and the individuals we're referring to are not the same. It's just that their behavior is similarly persistent with constant suggestions to hang out more or join us in various activities with our friend circle. We'd love to hear your take on how to navigate this without dampening our friendly colleague vibes. We are absolutely thrilled to see you in Finland, the land of Darude's sandstorm. And more heavy. Sorry, Tianfu heard Darude's sandstorm and she just started raving. Um, 
and more heavy metal bands per capita that you can shake a drumstick at. We can't wait to experience, given your legendary history of the airlines. We're simply hoping you're still up for flying to us in December. All the best, P and S. And the highest rate of suicide, even though it's the happiest country. Ooh. It is such a Scandi, like, Finnish question. Like, question, we don't want to hang out with others, but they want to hang out with us. <laughs> How can we be firm? Um, that's definitely not what your accent sounds like. I, I can't wrap my mind around that one. It's tough because you don't want to say, it's nice to be wanted. I also, you know, you guys clearly, some people who are not American uh, do not live to work. And you have this very healthy attitude. You're like, I do my work. I'm great at work. I'm nice at work. And then I want to go do my own thing. You know, there might be some people that are worth hanging out with outside of work. But if you really have decided to draw that line, I'm more interested in why you're drawing that line, like why it can't bleed over. But let's say you're too cool and they're like not as cool, which is probably what it is. Because if they were, you'd be like, I'd love to hang out. Um, and go eat like reindeer. <sighs> you don't want to draw that line of my time is my time and I don't mix work and pleasure. And if you say that to someone, they'll be like, oh, like I, I thought we were more than that, whatever. So you don't want to be too cold about it. You can simply just be like, my weekends are really packed. I have like a crazy, like leisure schedule. And when I get out of work, like I'm just gone. But thank you so much. Like you can just say it like that. It's tough because to be honest, what I would do would be say yes to every like third invite to kind of like keep the, keep them on the, on the, would it be the worst thing in the world if like you went for one beer? Like on a Wednesday once a month? Yeah. like Would it be the worst thing if you just dip in, dip out, especially for like a big gathering? You dip in, you say your highs, you leave. I, I'm just, I'm, it's a little weird that you're like, my line is so firmly drawn that I can't ever make time. And they're asking you so often that you're writing in. And if you, tr- what? what? I, I will say at the end of the day, it's like, it's theoretically smart in that like not mixing work with your friends so that they don't, I don't know. But, but but in reality of human interaction, they're going to be hurt. If you're just like, I don't see you as a friend. I see you as a colleague. They're going to be hurt. It is what yeah. it is. So that's why, you know, my advice is take the least painful option. Maybe it's just like meeting for a trivia night. You just drop by to say hi, whatever. You don't owe anyone an explanation. You just say hi, you leave. Or you just be like, sorry, my weekends are always so slammed. But the problem is, or tell them that you're busy, like that you're doing stuff. But the problem is it sounds like they've asked to like come join your friend circle. Yeah. It's, I would just, like Emma said, every third time. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Or what you could do is find out when they're busy, then invite them to do something. And then that way they're rejecting you. So in conclusion, I would just release that boundary a little bit. I'd be more interested to know where it's coming from. But you got to be willing to break a few hearts. Yeah. If you're going to set that boundary. You don't want to be a dick. You don't want to be like, I've got my friends who are superior outside of the workplace. Thank you for your paltry invite. Dear Eliza and Emily, I discovered your podcast during early COVID times and it's given me life every week since. Also, Eliza, I think we were in Auckland at the same time. I was there for the Women's World Cup and I kept hoping I'd see you there randomly, LOL. Here's my trouble. I, 42-year-old female, started dating this man, 50, let's call him M, in late April. We had reconnected through a mutual friend as M and I worked together years ago, and I knew back then that he had a thing for me. 
So once we started dating and he did not try to jump my bones, even after several weeks, I saw a red flag and I was right. The first time we tried to have sex, it was a bust, no boner. Same with the second time, after which he confessed, it was likely due to his pornography watching and masturbation habits. Long story short, his last relationship was totally sexless at the end, and before it finally died, he had turned to pornography to get his fix, which he has continued ever since, and it has ruined his ability to perform with real women. Pornography-induced erectile dysfunction. Hide. It's shockingly common. M says he doesn't need Viagra because his stuff works. And then in parentheses, when he watches porn. Works when I'm alone without you. And he has voluntarily sought professional help for this since we started dating. His therapist recommended engaging in other forms of sexual intimacy as much as possible, making out, being naked together, petting, etc. I don't like that word in this context. Being naked together. (laughs) Petting. He is generous with oral, but I am still very frustrated overall. Oh my. What? (laughs) This is the wrong. Five months. We have never had actual P and V sex. And now it's all I can think about. Aside from this, M is good for me. He's smart, good job. We have similar no, interests and are at the same so life what? stage. He's thoughtful no. and clearly. No, you're not. Me, no, you stop me reading over me. God guilty. damn it, Emily. Why? He's not, you're not at the same life stage. You're 42 and he's 50. That's not the same life stage. You're not in Hollywood where you would be considered 80 and undateable and he's 50 and young and eligible. So he's not good for you just because he is nice and like cool. This is not good for you. What is wrong with you? He is thoughtful and clearly adores me, which makes me feel guilty for thinking of ending it. What's worse, just before him, I was seeing a very young Marine and our quote relationship never saw the light of day if you catch my drift. I think this kind of patience slash commitment is too much to ask of someone in a new relationship. All I can hear is, you don't turn me on enough, despite his well-meaning attempts to talk about it and try to be reassuring. Having been single for a couple of years now, this is beyond disappointing. And yes, it's a blow to the ego. Am I the asshole if I walk away? Should I have done that sooner? I would love to hear your thoughts. Not even close. Not even close to the asshole. This guy isn't good for you. The things that you're listing that are his positive attributes are like boilerplate negotiation attributes. You're like, he's alive. He can breathe on his own and he has his own place. You need to seriously consider what it is that you feel you deserve and what you want. And that's okay to date someone super young and have like a bunch of sex. It's not a functioning relationship. And maybe deep down, you always knew that but you deserve to feel wanted. Please don't internalize that as you not being enough. It's a porn addiction. And at 50, I'm not saying all men have this, but yeah, you might have some ED just in general. He's got his own shit to deal with and this is not what you want. It's cool that he better fucking be sweet to you. He's not having sex with you. So what else is he going to do? Be even worse if he was not having sex with you and yelling at you all the time. This, this is not your husband that suddenly... It wasn't working. This is not your boyfriend of many years. This is a new relationship. It's not functional. This is abnormal. You need to move on. It doesn't matter if you're a fucking asshole because you're not friends. You're not going to see him at your high school reunion. You're not going to see him at work. Love hurts. Move on. Get into a functional relationship. One where you can have sex and leave the home together. It's Yeah, I mean, it's fine, but the difference between the last person and the new person is just too stark 
And if he's not a good fit for you, then that's it. You're not sexually compatible. And that is one of the elements of compatibility. Or you are, and you'll just never know. Right. I mean, he's in therapy. Uh, Top of the cop. It's the top of the cop. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. I have the best bottom of the cob. Oh boy. Okay. So it's, you want to, we'll start with top? Well, yeah. Okay. We can start with top because my top's a real low lift, but my bottom of the cob is such a good bottom that it being so bad is almost my top of the cob. I, it is. I, it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Worlds collide. Let's set the scene. Okay. Let's go. Let's blast through these tops of the cobs. My top of the cob is I love a dense, wet, salad with crunchies. Like when you get a taco salad in a taco bowl and everything gets mixed up together and it sits for a minute and then you add the crunchy, I like a big wet salad. Rather, I don't mind it. I don't seek it out, but it's tasty time when you get it. I think you're right. Yeah. A big wet Mexican salad with like too much guacamole. I'm in. And like pulled chicken, but also tortilla chips. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, my top of the cob is that I finally cracked. I washed uh, an old blanket so that now I have one blanket in my bed or like a soft, like, like a soft blanket, one blanket in my bed and then one on the couch so I don't have to carry it between rooms. There's a blanket Real for nice. each room. So I'm ready to be cozy no matter where I go. That's how you know you're a real homeowner. Yeah. <laughs> a real suburban homeowner. You got multiple blankets and multiple rooms <laughs> yeah. ready. Ready to cozy up. What's yeah. the fan top? On the podcast about a year ago, Eliza's top of the cob was how Pilates had changed her body and how excited she was about that. Right around that same time, I was on the hunt for a workout routine I would actually enjoy and be able to stick with. Despite having an active lifestyle, I'd been on a streak of injuring my back every few months dealing with heavy garden and farm chores, and even threw out my back really badly bending down to lift my toddler. Despite seeing doctors and chiropractors, no one had ever suggested core strengthening as a way to prevent these issues. I decided to take Eliza's advice and sign up for an app with a variety of Matt Pilates workouts. I started slow, just a couple days a week, fitting it in during my kids' nap time. Fast forward a year, and I'm up to Pilates five days a week with progressively more challenging workouts. In the past year, I haven't thrown up my back once, and I've gained strength and flexibility throughout my body. I've noticed so many other benefits from keeping this routine, but just want to say I'm so grateful Eliza threw that out into the universe a year ago, and I happened to pick it up at just the right time. I'm proud of myself for sticking with it, even on the days where I felt like being lazy. Much gratitude from a fellow Pilates fan. No name, though? Wanted to say anonymous? Uh, I mean, they didn't sign it, but there's a... Never talk to me. (laughs) Uh, I'm proud of you, too. That's really cool. Because I did Pilates just for me. And I was like, I'll just share this. I don't like make any money off of this. And that makes me so happy that I was also able to stick with it, but also share something that I actually think works. So that's awesome. Good for you. So many benefits. You're so much, I mean, even the second pregnancy, like I'm so strong. I'm so much stronger. I'm not supposed to hold my daughter, but I do. And it's fine. Pick her up, I mean. Okay, why don't I do me and the fan's bottom and you go. My bottom of the cob is, I don't know why, like a doctor doesn't care what's up with you, but I was so humiliated to go to the doctor today. I went and got my blood taken a couple of weeks ago. So we were going over the results and to be told that my vitamin D level is so low that I have to start taking 50,000 milligrams of vitamin D once a week. It is oh, only once. It's supposed to be like 30 and above and it's at 16. 
And it just, something about like vitamin D, like if they were like, oh, like your sugar's bad, your cholesterol, I'd be like, yeah, I eat badly my life. But I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't go outside or do anything. And so I'm not getting enough vitamin D is just somehow shameful. You're a vampire. And I know. Literally, Emily, this could all be cured if you just walked around your block once a day. I know. And I'm supposed to eat more protein. But the, the vitamin D thing to me was more like, oh, I'm trying. You're not trying. Like, you no, literally just trying. go outside. Like, okay, well, then you'll just, then we're just witnessing you decomposing slowly. Bye-bye. I, I know. That's sad. Okay. You love milk, though. Yeah, but here's the problem. When I live by myself and I get milk, it goes bad too fast. And so then I don't buy it. When I was in... Yeah, okay. That's, I don't need to finish the story. <laughs> that does not need to be a podcast. Like, here's my problem with milk. Uh, when I was in Iceland, they had shots of cod liver oil having to do, I think, with vitamin D because it's so dark there all the time. So you're Icelandic. That's what's going to happen to me. It's as though I've just come out of like a deprivation tank, but I'm just at my house. Help the body absorb and retain calcium and phosphorus. That's what vitamin D is for. Do it for your bones. You don't want to have old lady bones cushioned by like house meat. Yeah, that's, I'm, that's just go outside. It's free. It's fucking free. You filthy American. Just go outside. I need a prescription for this. I don't want no, Emily, to go outside. You need to put the sun on your skin. This is behind-the-counter vitamin D. Okay, I don't... You just keep keep rotten. <laughs> keep on trucking. Keep on rotten. What's the uh, fan bottom? Bottom of the cup from Australia. Hi, Liza and Emily. My bottom of the cup is having a series of bad events happen in 24 hours and wishing you could restart the day hoping for a better outcome. First, got a nail in my tire, so I had to go to a tire place. Second, had to go to four different tire places on my way to work before I found someone who could do it straight away. The first three were all too busy and I would have to wait anywhere from four to six hours. It didn't have to be replaced. They managed to fix it. Gay for one small win. Third, got to work after getting tire fixed, but was late, so I missed a meeting. Fourth, no. finished work, no. went to our tax agent to get our family tax lodged and found out that because my last job didn't pop properly tax my payout, I now owe $800 to Mr. Taxman. Fifth, almost had a car accident because some idiot didn't look before pulling out into the road I was driving on. Sixth, get home and realize that I forgot to get the chicken out of the freezer for dinner and couldn't make what I was really looking forward to having. Went off to sleep, hoping the next day would be better. Thanks, Brioni. Well, Brioni, could be worse. You could have a totally solvable problem deep in your bones that you're seeking out a prescription for. Oh, That's that is lot. the That's worst a lot of it things. just keeps stacking. Some days you just got to chalk it up to the universe is not on your side. You just got to go home, eat some cheese, reset. And then tomorrow will be better because the universe owes you. Okay, my bottom of the cob. And Emily, I had to tell you this story because it was so horrible. I played Las Vegas a few weeks ago and my dad and my stepmom came for the gig. And they put me in a, they, the hotel put me in a beautiful suite. And I have to let you know it's a suite so that you know that there were two bathrooms. There's the master bathroom and then there's the guest bathroom right when you walk in. So we're hanging out. And at some point, my dad says to me, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, all right, go to the bathroom. So he, he uses, and when I say uses and abuses this bathroom, like goes to the bathroom in a meaningful way. He comes out and I'm like, oh my God, that is so horrific, that smell. 
And he, to be fair, he's like, what do you want from me? I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay. There, it's a Vegas hotel room. It's 57 floors up. There's no window you can open. There's no ventilation. I don't know why there's not a fan in that bathroom. Those gamblers sit there for a long time eating sandwiches, drinking, racking up debt. They got to dump out, but there's no fan. Fine. We leave. We're going to go get lunch. We leave. Halfway down the elevator, I realize I forgot my sunglasses. So I say, I'll be right back. You guys, please hold my dog. I go upstairs, get my sunglasses. I walk down the hall toward my room and outside in the hall, I can smell what was done in that bathroom. It is seeping under the door, probably coming through the walls, killing every rat in its path. No. And I dry heave a little bit. I'm like, okay. So I hold my breath. I go in to get the glasses, but of course it gets in your mouth, your nose. I shut the hotel door to the room. I'm in the hallway. I'm a pregnant woman and I have never once thrown up either pregnancy. I vomit in the hallway onto the carpet like a drunk girl on New Year's Eve. And I look up at the security camera and I mouth like, I'm sorry. And it wasn't a ton. It was just like acidic, like liquid. I was like, oh, just real quick. Okay, probably not the worst thing that's been on that carpet. Yeah. I walked toward the elevator bank and then the thought of how bad it smelled. It's like in the back of my throat. Like I'd already gagged. And sometimes the only cure to stop gagging is to do a lot of gags and get it out. When I tell you I projectile vomited into the trash can at the elevator bank, we're talking all my morning coffee, an entire bran muffin, just liquid spouting, tears streaming. No. Face red. I threw up because my dad took a shit that was so bad. Sorry, dad. How dare you do this to him? It was the, <laughs> the first show. time I'd thrown it. I went downstairs and I didn't talk to him. I was mad at him. I looked at my stepmom. I go, I want you to see these tears streaming down my face. I've never thrown up from being, I've never thrown up while being pregnant. And this is the first time. And my dad was like, I'm sorry. I feel bad. What I don't, you know, he didn't do it on purpose. I think. And then he sent me a text later that was like, sorry about the gift that keeps on giving and a poop emoji. <laughs> Just such a dad response. It's it's so it's so horrible. <laughs> it's so horrible to be to be olfactory assaulted by a family member. Yeah. Anyways, I just hope my son comes out okay. <laughs> Sierra, are you stinky in the mouth? No. Are you stinky in the butt? No. Okay.